Enterprising in my surroundings I'm finding the quietest estates these days This representation of storm brewing Amazed that the focus remains The vocal focal point of my change Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast I'm your host, Matt Chittam And this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there Who are working hard to get better While balancing running with the rest of their lives And that is exactly what today's guest is doing. Samantha Recker is here on the podcast. Samantha has such a unique background. She is in rarefied air in the marathoning world. She has run sub 230 in the marathon. However, she's a dedicated amateur runner, just like you and me. She works a full-time job as a nurse. She's in nursing school as well. She's also doing 90 to 100 mile weeks on the running front. And just like you and I, It's a struggle and it's hard, but she has big goals. She's done amazing things and she's going to be doing another amazing thing in two weeks at the Boston Marathon. She is raising money for the American Nurses Foundation. And in doing so, she is hoping to set the world record for a marathon, marathoner, I should say, running in scrubs. And she's going to be doing it in Boston. And I could not wait to talk to her. You might have seen her recent feature in Runner's World. Um, It was fantastic. She is fantastic. One of just one of the brightest lights in the running world. And I've wanted to talk to her for so long. It was just such a gift to have her on the show. I should say, uh, before we get into it, um, one thing that Sam and I discussed after I stopped recording, and I wish I had caught it while, you know, during the, the course of the episode was, her fundraising page, which you can find in the show notes of this podcast and as the link in the bio of her Instagram, is going to be open still after Boston. Okay, so she's raising money for the foundation who's doing such good work for all the mental health challenges that are facing frontline nurses. Um, It's just, it's such a tough job and they're doing such good work helping these individuals um, with the myriad of just difficulties that, that come with jobs like this. So even if it's after Boston, go check out the link, see what they're up to. And if you can give to support because Every little bit helps. It truly does. And when you hear Sam talk about it, you'll hear it firsthand. And you probably know someone who works in the healthcare industry. And so you already know how important this is. And I don't want you to think that the Boston Marathon is the end point for these fundraising uh, initiatives. If you're hearing this episode a year from now, so Boston 2023, while her fundraising page at that point will certainly be closed, the foundation will not be. And you can always check out what they're doing at their website. So without further ado, let's get into it with Samantha Recker. All right, we are here with Samantha Recker. Sam, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you. This is really exciting. So people who don't know, I worked at Providence College while Sam was a student athlete there, was an unbelievable runner, won a national championship at PC. I got to watch from afar as a member of the fundraising office. Actually, and I didn't tell you this, in our pre call before we started sorry, before we started talking but i actually saw you the last time at cim 2018 because oh, i had cool. a bunch of live shows there <laughs> and we had a bunch of we, all the stuff at the expos it was so much fun and on my way to one of the live shows one morning you were doing a shakeout run with one of your friends you're coming down like the main road i was going the other way and you're coming. I was like, I, I recognized you immediately. And I just yelled out, "Go PC!" on on the road. And you're like, "Wait, what?" And I just kept going. That's amazing. I I actually so vividly remember that. Like, I remember where I was. Do you that. really? Yes. Um, because like, I feel like when you get shouted out as a friar, it's like pretty rare because we're such like a niche community. Um, Except when, you know, March Madness is going on. But um, otherwise, like, it's not it's not something, you know, we're not a huge school. So I actually so vividly remember that. And I was like, I wish I knew who that person was. <laughs> Here I am. Here, you're on the show. No, I remember I was so excited. I'm like, I know who that person is. This is awesome. And then you went out and you smashed it. That was, that was like an unbelievable race for you. That's awesome. Um, That's so funny because I actually talked to Ray, like, right after that run. Um, so Ray Tracy, my coach, who's the Providence coach, um, I, I remember calling him, like remembering like, oh shoot, like you reminded me, like I have to call Ray. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> um, and I talked to him right after I finished that run. Like I was still like walking back from that run, chatting with him. <laughs> that was awesome. Now, did you did you have a good feeling going into CIM 2018? We, we've done a lot of stuff since, but that was obviously like from a marathoning perspective. I know that was like a you know kind of maybe a paradigm shifting moment. I, I don't know. It was it was it was a big day for you. Yeah. Um, I actually in that conversation with Ray, he kind of like asked where I thought I was at. And I, at that point, honestly, like just wanted to hit because I had only um, hit the OTQ time once. Um, I ran 238 at the Hartford Marathon the year prior. Um, and I was kind of hoping for the A standard because at the time it was 237. Um, so that's kind of like what I was planning going into CIM. And then I don't know. I had like a pretty busy fall. I had just started um, my nursing job in July of that year. So I was pretty busy um, and just really was not super confident, not sure of my training. Um, and in that conversation, he was like, what do you think you can like go out in for the first half? And I remember telling him like, I think I'm going to go out in around 80 and see what happens. Um, and he was like, okay, yeah, good plan. Go out in 80. And then I went out in like 74 or something. And <laughs> I've never run that fast and a half in my life. Um, so I truly was like just trying to like kind of like hit that OTQ standard again. Um, that race will like forever be kind of one of those moments that you dream of like your whole life. And then you get there and you're like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. Um, so I yeah, I I definitely was not expecting to run 230. <laughs> if 240 would have been a good day in my mind, I think. Then all of a sudden you're on the podium. You're there with Steph Bruce. The pictures of that day are amazing. I love the pictures on the podium. And again, maybe it's I'm biased because I knew the backstory when I look at the picture. But like you're there, and like the, you're there with two pros who've like accomplished careers, and they're smiling, they're happy, and you have this look in your face like, "Can you believe this? Can you believe this?" Well, I'll, I'll backtrack to that story. Um, so. Yeah, I found myself at like halfway. First of all, I think my half PR going into that race was somewhere around like 77, 78. It was not, not impressive. Um, it might have even been from like the second half of my previous marathon. Um, and when I went through the half under 75, I saw my dad like around halfway and he was like, you're crushing it or something like that. And I was like, I am in way over my head. And I was like, really afraid. <laughs> um, and I really had no idea what place I was in um, until like around like maybe like 16 or 17. I noticed that like the motorcycles, like with the cameras were around me and I was like, Oh, I must be doing okay. <laughs> and then I remember seeing Steph Bruce ahead of me and she had just run New York like a couple weeks prior and like crushed it in New York. And I, and obviously like she's a pro amazing runner. And I was just like, Oh, that's Steph Bruce. But in my head, I like just automatically defaulted to like, she must be having a bad day. If I'm here. Um, and I really did not know that I was in like third at that point. Um, until somebody in the crowd told me that. Um, and obviously like I knew I was running, like quick, but I, I really like, it didn't really hit me even until, um, I saw one of my friends at like 22 and he was like, you're doing it. Like you're third. And I was like, what? Um, I really had no idea. Um, and so as soon as I crossed the line, it was like shock. And also I was so sick. Like I was like, half a mile away from bonking and having like a crawl to the finish moment. Um, so I definitely like got the most out of myself that way. Um, but I remember like my dad telling me like, you don't have to go to the award ceremony. Like I was throwing up like so much, like literally was so sick all day. Like, could not keep food down. I, I think like some of the drug testers like missed their flight because I was so sick and like couldn't go to the bathroom. Um, so, um, I remember him telling me like, you don't have to go to the award ceremony. Like if you, if you feel that bad, you don't have to go. And I was like, I have to go. Like, I'm never going to have a moment like this again. Um, so yeah, that the, the award ceremony was definitely like 50% sheer shock and 50% like I might throw up on stage right now. Right. And I'm thinking of the picture where it's like behind the finish line. 
Yeah. I mean, right. that was... Everyone's got their flags, yeah. right? They're doing the, the, the flag pose. How to hold the flag. Like, I know there's like a certain way you're supposed to hold the flag. Like, this was completely new to me. I, I yeah. That you, was... didn't, you didn't practice this with Emily Sisson at, 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 at PC? Ray didn't, did Ray didn't walk you through this as career prep? I did not ever expect me to be in a position of holding the flag. <laughs> well, let's talk about this because, you know, you... You know, you run that race. You you, you run two thirty. You're top three at CAM. Obviously, it's not a world marathon major, but it's like that next tier. I mean, this is a major, major race for so many people, and we've seen so many great performances there over time. And this this most recent one, we saw Sarah Vaughn, you know, in her marathon um, debut, just absolutely crush it, set the course record, and uh, it's just a race that a lot of people pay attention to. So all of a sudden, you run two thirty you're in a unique spot right there, right? Because you have this pedigree as a Big East runner. You won a national championship at PC. You're coached by one of the best coaches in the country, in the world. And then you run 230. At that point, once once you start feeling a little bit better post-race, what did that do to your outlook in terms of where you fit in into the running world and where the running world fit into your life? Yeah, so um, I honestly wasn't really sure. I was pretty confused by it. Um, and I didn't really know how to like take it. Um, and also I'm still like kind of comparing myself to my peers at Providence, like Molly Huddle and Emily and you know, two thirties, not that good compared to them. So, um, it was an amazing day for me, but I didn't really know how that fit in terms of running and, you know, professional running. Um, and also I had just started my career as a nurse like six months prior and still had like goals to become a nurse practitioner. Um, so I really didn't want that race to like interrupt anything. Having said that, definitely was not planning on running 230 that day. And it opened a lot of doors for me. Um, like mainly that's what got me in, um, to run the Pan Am games for the U S, um, in 2019. So, um, yeah, I, I honestly wasn't really sure how to take it, but um, definitely made me think more seriously about like drinking water at work. <laughs> um, <laughs> if only you had a health health background that you could rely on to, to help you with these sorts of questions. <laughs> I know, right? Um, and like maybe not like skipping PT because I was tired. <laughs> um, so pros, they're just like the rest of us. Yeah. Um, it definitely gave me a new perspective of my training and like, um, even just like being a little easier on myself for it. Cause I really went into that being like, I'm so unprepared. I, I did not prioritize running. Um, and I prioritized like starting my job and, you know, kind of like other life things at that point in my life. Um, and so I was, I was, excited that I could perform that well, um, with everything else going on, but it also like, it, it definitely, that was the first time I wondered like, what could I do if I didn't work 40 hours a week or wasn't on my feet all day before I work out? Um, or, you know, if I like lived at altitude or, the things that people get to do. <laughs> right. I, I mean, when you graduated from PC, did you have options to join different training groups or, you know, with Ray, you know, talking to you about the, the options you had as a pro runner? Like, what was the decision matrix for you or was the decision already made up? Yeah. So, um, when I, I did not have like a wonderful college career. Sorry, Ray. Um, <laughs> I feel bad that my success came after college. Um, but, yeah, I, I was like pretty mediocre in college. Um, I think I ran probably better in high school, even if I'm being honest with myself. And then, um, college was a wonderful experience, would not ever change my decision to go to Providence or anything, but I definitely, I don't think I ran, um, necessarily to my potential in college. And I think a lot of that is, you know, just the change and becoming a college athlete and navigating that. Um, but, I was pretty done after college. I was pretty like tired of the score, burnt out, like wasn't really running um, as well as I was in high school. It's hard going from, you know, being one of the like top high school runners to getting a hundredth at a race and being like, okay with that. Um, so I kind of like lost the fire a little bit, needed a break, um, which like my break was not really a break for most people. Probably <laughs> it, was a, it was a Tom Brady retirement it was like 40 yeah. day break. Um, I actually, I moved to DC. Um, I pursued a master's in global health at Georgetown. And when I was there, 
Um, I actually became really good friends with Rachel Schneider. I had known her prior. Um, we were in a wedding together. One of my high school friends went to Georgetown and we were both mutually in her wedding. Um, so I had known her before I moved and, um, I truly like just did her easy runs with her. Um, she was like the person that would like get me out of bed, like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. And then like on her track workout days, I would go like literally sit at the track and <laughs> watch her work out. So I was like, I'm not working out. <laughs> um, so why would you go watch? Why not just be like, I'm, this is a great day to sleep in. Um, I mean, she's like such a positive, amazing person. Um, she's just like motivating to be around and she didn't really have like anyone to work out with. So a lot of her workouts were solo. So I would just like go be her little like cheerleader. Um, and it was like a fun environment to be around a team. Um, Mike Smith was the coach of Georgetown at the time and was Rachel's coach. And he would always try to like encourage me to hop in. And I was like, no way. (laughs) Um, (laughs) so I would just sit and watch, um, or you'd be like, just do drills. And I was like, no, (laughs) Um, just do, just do drills. That is such a transparent request. I was like, no, (laughs) um, I would literally just sit. But at the same time, I like that year I ran the Lehigh Valley marathon, um, like kind of full circle just for fun to qualify quote, qualify for Boston. That was my goal. I wanted to run the Boston Marathon. I had signed up for it. Um, I watched the Boston Marathon in 2014 and signed up for the Lehigh Valley Marathon for 20, um, for that fall 2014, because it was like the last possible weekend to qualify. And I was like, Ooh, maybe I can, um, just like train enough to <laughs> run whatever the Boston, I think it was 305 at the time. Um, I think it's 330. Oh yeah, three three oh five is the men's time. Actually, yeah. there was so many like men trying to DQ around me. That's what it was. I think it was three thirty five actually. Um, so I went in with the goal to just BQ, um, and I ended up. This sounds kind of um, prestigious, I guess, but I ended up winning the race. Um, so that was my surprise. <laughs> you had a couple surprise moments at marathons. Um, I guess that's how you can kind of say I got hooked, but. It was really fun. Like only my parents and my boyfriend at the time knew about it. Um, I kind of just went being like, I'm going to try to qualify for Boston and run Boston. And I, I mean, I think like Ray, like made fun of me. He was like, you should not be trying to qualify for Boston. You should try to qualify for the trials. And I was like, whatever, I'm just going to run Boston. <laughs> um, and I didn't run that fast. I ran like 301 or something, but it was like a really sunny, nice. I mean, in hindsight, it was probably a terrible day for marathoning, but it was like 75 and sunny. I was like, it's gorgeous outside. <laughs> it was so hot. <laughs> um, but um, my parents were there. They were like handing me goo halfway. I remember that asking them to hand me goo and a piece of gum because I thought like that would like help with like my thirst or something. We, we You've been chronicled in a, in a couple of different magazines. I haven't seen the Sam Wrecker's Guide to Marathon Nutrition oh feature story yet we, we really need to delve into this for 20 2014 lehigh um i guess i was lucky to not have the train stop me that time because i know in subsequent years they've had like the train stop the bq oh god <laughs> that was a huge issue with that marathon um but it was yeah it was like i was such an amateur obviously i like drove from dc and like didn't really think about that i would have to drive back like i literally like left by racing like i have to drive back to dc right now it's <laughs> um, the like, worst that's the worst i was like i'm pretty sore <laughs> um, i just like didn't consider that at all um yeah and then drove back to dc um and like went out with my like school friends that night it was like not a thing i was like oh yeah i ran a marathon this morning um, and then um so yeah i like I was like, well, I obviously have to run this year now. So then luckily Rachel and I like reconnected in October. Um, and I would just kind of run with her, which, um, in hindsight was like way more training than I give it credit for. Like her easy runs are like not easy. (laughs) Um, I was like, oh, I just did Rachel's easy runs with her, but like her easy runs were like hard. (laughs) Um, at least at the time for me. Um, so yeah, she, we kind of just like, I would like blob around on her easy days and not really run much in between. Um, and that was like 
kind of my start to like amateur marathoning. Um, wow, what a, what a, what a beginning to that! That is so wild. You know, it's like there's so many dichotomies there, right? There's so many like conflicts. So you're like, I was just hanging out, running with a friend who was urging me on. Like, I can't tell you how many people have been on this podcast who have told me a similar story. Of course, the difference being their friend isn't Rachel Schneider. <laughs> So it's like it's a very like yeah I've heard that story before but wait, but not really not that not that kind of friend yeah it's like I was going to pick up basketball but then my friend asked me to come play oh what's his name LeBron James exactly um, you know it was similarly now like in even today I was like telling a couple I visited Rachel um, this past uh, December and January and. We were in Arizona um, and she was coming back home for like Christmas and they didn't have anyone to watch their dogs. And I was like, my boyfriend and I were like, oh, we'll watch your dogs. We'll stay in your house. And um, they have this like stick set up at their house. Like they have this amazing gym um, that's like in their attached garage. And I was like sending pictures of the gym to my coworkers. And they were like, that is an amazing gym. And I was like, oh, yeah, like she's an Olympian. Like <laughs> it's just like rolling off the tongue. <laughs> They're like, what? I'm like, I forget. This is hysterical. All right. So when you when you went to PC, obviously you're as you mentioned, you're one of the best runners in the country coming out of high school. You go to PC, their program is elite, elite, elite. The men have done really well there. The women's program is on a completely different level. The women's program is just absolutely historic. And while you were there, the team was absolutely loaded. Now, when you went there, did you know that you were going there with the idea of potentially being a nurse later, or was this was the college choice more athletics driven? Um, so I was definitely also a serious student in high school, but the college choice was a hundred percent athletics driven. <laughs> um, I I chose Providence um, basically immediately after my official visit. I just felt so comfortable um, with the team and with Ray. Um, I also took my official visit with my um like who ended up being my roommate Shelby Graney um who was a really good New York runner as well um and just like I it felt like family it felt like the right fit from the second I stepped there um but they did not have a nursing program I did not even know I no was. that's why I asked because when I was there I was like wait hold on nursing what, what's going on here program at PC um I went in actually kind of I, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to be like a bio major with kind of like a pre-med idea. Um, I thought maybe I wanted to go to med school, but I wasn't like sold on the med school idea. Um, so I went in as like a pre-med major, which is definitely not like advice to student athletes. <laughs> but um, it was, it ended up being great. Um, but no, I definitely did not go in with the nursing mindset. I went in with the I'm here for running mindset. <laughs> so what lit the fuse for that career choice? Yeah. So I actually, um, I ended up picking up a second major, the health policy major at Providence, um, health policy and management. I think is what it's called. Um, I took like the intro course. You could take it as like a crossover elective for bio. Um, so I took that my junior year and I loved it. And it was like kind of more about like the structure of our healthcare system. And, um, was that professor like, hacky? It, so he was the director of that, um, program. Yeah, no. but he now we're really getting into the Providence college. Weeks. Yeah. I apologize to everyone who's listening. I just had to, I forgot where I was for a second. <laughs> um, but yes, that's him. He was wonderful. He wrote many of my letters of recommendation. Um, so that the course, the intro course to that major was just super interesting. We read like a lot of really good books. Um, and I was, I never knew the side to like the healthcare system aside from like the science and like the medicine side of it. Um, I was like very like biology driven and that's all the courses I ever took. I never really understood the U S healthcare system, um, and the problems it has. Um, so I was kind of like encapsulated by that. And, um, in my nature, I like can't say no to things or if I come up with a crazy idea, I just put them on my plate. Um, so I decided to my second semester junior year, add another major, um, and added that. Um, and that's kind of where I learned that, you know, nurses are such an important part of the healthcare system. 
And I did one of my papers on like the nursing shortage um, at the time, which has obviously evolved today. But um, even when I was in school, and I think I probably wrote this paper in 2011, um, I wrote a whole paper on like the nursing shortage and like the shortage of nursing professors even in the country. And I was like, oh, maybe I could become like a nurse or a nurse practitioner. Um, and that's kind of like what opened my eyes to the profession of nursing or public health. Um, so I, I took a really long route to becoming a nurse. I ended up getting a master's in global health. Oh, that's why I was in DC. Um, prior to that, because I really, I wasn't, I thought I was going to be pre-med my whole life. I thought I was going to go to med school. Um, so I wasn't really sure. Um, so add another degree to the resume, I guess. Um, went to Georgetown and got that degree. And then that's where, again, I, I it kind of um, solidified that, you know, nursing was what I wanted to do. Um, and I applied to a bunch of accelerated nursing programs that had options to extend into a nurse practitioner degree if I wanted to um, afterwards. And then ultimately how I ended up at Penn. And I'm living in Philadelphia. <laughs> there you go. So we've had a lot of people on this show who are nurses or have similar jobs from a, you know, being on their feet perspective, right? And, you know, demanding jobs, not just physically, but mentally and emotionally. And for a lot of these people, they, they find they find their value in running in different ways. And it, it serves a different purpose for a lot of these people. And also it's seasonal. It can serve one kind of purpose at one point in their life and it can shift to another point in their life where it serves a different purpose for them, but something that they've embraced over time and, and really find a lot of value in. And it means a lot to them. With that said, they're also not competing at a level that you're competing at. And obviously maybe there's a, a talent discrepancy as well, but at the same time, you're putting in 90 to 100 miles a week. Oftentimes you're getting ready for marathons, you're running the Pan Am games, and now you're on the, you're on the kind of doorstep of potentially setting a world record at the Boston Marathon for running in Moxie Scrubs, which is really exciting as well. So you're doing a lot of different things from a running perspective while also – taking on a lot on from a professional and still in this from a student perspective. So how do all of these things mix for you and how do you kind of balance out, not from a time perspective, but we'll get there because obviously it's, I'm assuming very, very tough, but yeah. just from a focus perspective and how you can shift your focus from one to the other and have both of them um, matter so much in your life. Yeah. So that's been really hard actually. Um, and it's a good question that I'm asked a lot. Um, and I don't have like a great answer to it because I think I'm still figuring it out. Um, I mean, there's been times in the last like two years where I've literally like been at work and like, I need to call Ray because my workouts haven't been going well. And I'll like break down crying to him being like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing right now. Um, you know, especially with the pandemic and kind of the, um, the issues that that's brought up, but, um, my, I'm fortunate in my job that, um, I have like kind of a somewhat non-traditional nursing job, which I, I sought out after nursing school. I did not go like straight to bedside nursing, which is what you're encouraged to do. As soon as you graduate nursing school, everyone, all my professors, except for one who's a runner, <laughs> um, encouraged us to go right into bedside nursing. And I was really nervous about that. Um, that, you know, most jobs you start right away with like three months of night shift. Um, and you're alternating between days and nights. They're 12 hour shifts, which are really like 13 or 14 hour shifts. Um, they could be back to back. They could be like a couple days a week, but I mean, realistically, you're not really going to get much money on a 13 or 14 hour work day. Um, even if you're like really motivated and wake up early or run late. Um, and especially with night shift, I mean, there's literally research that proves that you're just so much unhealthier when you, when you work a night shift. Um, so I was really, really anxious about that. Um, so I kind of like, uh, I shot my shot, I guess. And, um, um, only applied to like outpatient jobs, which typically you have to have experience at the bedside to get one of those jobs. Um, and I got one, um, in like an ENT clinic that, um, is like, relatively high acuity and pretty, um, it's pretty specialized. We do like very, very specific sinus skull based surgeries. Um, 
but my hours are set. I have four days a week that are 10 hour shifts, Monday through Thursday. I don't work nights. I don't work weekends. And so that is something that I definitely need to put an asterisk next to my RN title because a lot of nurses, you know, are working nights and weekends and don't have control over their schedule. And I do. Um, so that is something that, you know, I, I looked for and I was really fortunate to get, but, um, I don't think I would be sitting here talking to you if I was working like a traditional bedside nursing job. Um, if, if can I jump in? If, if you had gotten that bedside nursing job, you'd gone down that route, would have that potentially altered the time frame when you would have decided to enter the profession? Like, could you see at that point maybe saying, you know what, maybe I'll go into this later because I know I can't juggle the two of these or was, would have running taken a complete backseat there? I think running would have taken a backseat because I had just, I qualified for the trials um, in my like last semester of nursing school. And while that was so exciting and amazing and like a huge personal accomplishment, it just still didn't seem like an accomplishment that should like my career should hinge on. Um, so I think, I think running would have just taken a backseat and I mean, who knows, maybe I would have been fine and would have thrived and would have been better off if I only ran four days a week. Who knows? Like, I don't know. I can't really make that call, but, um, the flexibility in having three days off, um, in a row and working 10 hour shifts where I know I'm going to be out relatively like latest 6.30 PM where I can go for a run after that, or I don't have to be there until 7.30 AM. I can run before that. Um, and just like learning how to manage the like quote harder days or like, I know now like which days are harder and which days are easier quote unquote. And when it's going to be like a challenging day. And I've learned that like, you know, Tuesdays are chaos at work and I can't do a track workout on a Tuesday night. And I learned that after failing to do track workouts, like eight Tuesdays in a row, um, you know, so it, it's been like a lot that of, it must like, have been a bad two months, man. Oh yeah. Um, there's been several of those, um, <laughs> but that's where it's like getting creative with the schedule Ray gives me. And if there's a 20 mile on a Tuesday, looking at them being like, yeah, I mean, I need to switch this week around to make it work to my schedule. And, or, um, I get really stuck with weather a lot. Like if I am supposed to do a big workout on a Friday and it snows, like being like flexible and okay with, okay, it's really like not that big of a difference in the grand scheme of things. If I do this on Sunday and today or an easy day instead. So just like kind of learning um, what works and what doesn't with my body. And then also with like my mind and <laughs> being okay with like not being as like rigid as I may have used to have been with um, a running schedule. Yeah. And it seems like, and this is more anecdotal than anything. I mean, it has to be because there's no way of tracking <laughs> this really, but um, that there's a lot of high level college runners who end up make end up deciding not to make that choice. Right. You see a lot of, either, you know, college runners maybe at lower levels or people who didn't run in college but maybe really athletic, say like a, you know, whether it's, you know, I think Julia Giffey is a good example of this, right? She played soccer in college and kind of kind of matriculated into running and then kind of kept evolving, evolving, evolving. And, you know, here she is, she gets top 10 at the, at the trials. You know, you, you often don't see people who were, again, like the, you know, the Georgetowns, the Proms College of the world who don't end up joining a elite running team after college going into the workforce, but then also still putting in the serious miles. Like there, that's a, that's a very narrow group of people and it's understandable, right? Cause you're, you're sitting there like, all right, like I'm not really connected to this the way I used to be as opposed to someone else who's maybe coming in with the fresh eyes and they're kind of like, all right, this is really exciting and new for you. It's kind of not quite that. So when, Things get hard, especially over the last two years and those days where, you know, eight Tuesdays in a row, the track workers, track workers aren't going that great. And your running friends are, you know, in Flagstaff doing their thing and you're getting snowed in the Schuylkill River. What is pushing you out the door to stay committed to the running that you've been able to do at such a high level for such a long time now? So I have like a, a good group of um, friends here that I met through running. Um 
that's kind of like my social outlet even now. Um, I, I got back into serious running because, um, I moved here without knowing anybody. And, um, the one thing that's in common about every city is there's runners everywhere. (laughs) Um, so I, uh, I started nursing school in the summer. I was like really not running at the time was not fit. And, um, was like, okay, I'll give myself a couple months to like start running again. And then I'll reach out to the local running club. (laughs) And, um, I mean, the girl that ended up being on the receiving end of that email, I was her maid of honor this past spring. Um, so wow, yeah, it's, it's running is just like, it's one of those sports that connects you with people that you never really expected to be connected with. Um, and so I have like a good group of friends here that, that they all are, you know, in the workforce and we run either before work or after work. So that really helps. Like none of us are doing track workouts at like 10 AM on a Wednesday. Um, we are all doing them like in the dark or in the morning. Um, so that's, that's a huge aspect. Um, but kind of back to that moment at CIM where I found myself on the podium unexpectedly, like moments like that are definitely what drives me to not not snooze the alarm um if I don't have a friend to meet at like 5 30 in the morning um I will say I've become more flexible with that over the last few years but um definitely just remembering like kind of what it's all working towards and for um and remembering that like moments like that can happen for people like me um is definitely what motivates me and now you're in the verified air of the sub 230 marathon club snuck in there. Two two twenty nine fifty nine. I love it. That's great. When you when you were running down and you saw the clock, did you have a sense of like I need to get another two thirty, or are you just like was it like a CIM moment? You're like, just don't throw up, just don't throw up. No, I I mean the last like three miles of the marathon, I feel like everything is off. Like you are just battling with yourself to like put one foot in front of the other. Um, my boyfriend is like a mathematician and he's an accountant. So he is, he knows like what I have to run at any second of the marathon, especially on a course like that, the marathon project where you, there was so much, so many data points. He was just like running back and forth. Um, and Shelby, my roommate who I spoke of earlier from Providence, um, she was at that race. We could have like two spectators and she lived in Arizona at the time. So she and my boyfriend were my two spectators and um, I, he told me with like, I think it was like maybe like 2k to go, maybe a little more. Like he knew what I had to run to break 230. I had no idea. I was like not really looking at my watch at that point. And he knew I would get like mad at him if he told me. So he like texted Shelby what to tell me. Um, and so Shelby said something like, you have to run 553. I don't remember what it was to 553 days to break 230. And in my head, I was so mad. I was like, Jason definitely told her that. Like, there's no way Shelby did. But how is that? A, I'm, I'm great. I'd love to know this. So how is that a, a, a negative? Were you just like, I don't want, did you tell him ahead of time? Like, I don't want to know any splits. Like, did he break like an unwritten rule? Like, what was the problem there? I think he thought I was like going to get in my head about it. But then, so I was like, in my mind, I was like, I mean, I'm just trying to not fall down. Um, I remember I heard like, um, Ben Rosario telling Julia Griffey was right ahead of me. I remember him saying to her that she had to run like a three minute 800. I think like when we hit 800 to go, she was like maybe like five to six seconds ahead of me at that point. I was like, I do not think I had in me. And then they had like every 200 marked down. Um, and then it was like a pretty long straightaway. I, I couldn't really see the clock. I had no idea. Um, but Shelby was like, literally like crying like I'm so proud of you I can't believe you're doing this like go um and I just remember seeing her and getting really emotional and apparently I closed in a 78 which I don't even I don't think I could run a 78 today um but <laughs> um yeah so that was definitely like well, you just need a 25 mile warm-up Sam you could do it life yeah um so yeah I don't know I am just really grateful it was on the other side of 2.30. Um, so that was really, really cool. But I I didn't. I knew it was going to be close. I did not know it was going to be that close. <laughs> 
So two days ago, a big article comes out in Runner's World featuring you and what you're up to over you know this this month. Right, you got Boston marathons in two weeks, two weeks from tomorrow, which is really exciting. So, Sam, I want to hear it. What what have you been up to, and what 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 was the genesis of this new project you're doing? Yeah. So this idea, hey, Runner's World said it came to me in the shower. Maybe it did. I honestly like don't know how it came to me. Um, but basically you know, as we've talked about, I'm a nurse. Um, I have it a lot better than most nurses do, but I have a lot of friends who are bedside nurses and even beyond nurses. I have a lot of friends who are PAs or doctors or just in the healthcare um, profession in general. And um, it's been really tricky the last couple of years as, you know, we've read in the news um, and seen everywhere that it's been hard for healthcare workers. Um, I've experienced it to some degree firsthand, but people have experienced it way worse than I have. Um, and one of my friends in particular is a PA who lived through the um, pandemic in New York and was transferred to an adult COVID um, inpatient ICU. And she had only worked with children prior to that. Um, and she's really struggling and um, kind of like, she really was my motivation for this. Um, I just wanted to find something that I could do to, I don't have a big platform, but I had like kind of enough of a platform. Um, I was like, maybe I can do something with running that has to do with healthcare workers, mental health. Um, and I had read a previous runner's world article about the fact that there was a, um, world record for a marathon run in a nurse's uniform a woman in London had broke it, a nurse um, had broke it in 2018 and she ran in scrubs and the Guinness book of world records like overturned her record attempt because, or they denied it because she wasn't in like a traditional quote unquote nurse's outfit, like, which is what we picture like a Halloween costume. What's traditional? I'm, I'm envisioning now like called yeah, like midwife. The, what are we, what are we, what's the traditional nurse? It's like the white dress with the hat and everything. Oh so. my God. <laughs> Get out of here. So kind of like nurses and runners like revolted against the Guinness book and was like, this is absurd. Um, and it got overturned and she is the current record holder. So I knew, I remembered reading that article and knew that the record existed. So I kind of like looked it up and I was like, maybe I can find, like, this can be my purpose. Um, like regardless if I break the record or not that, you know, but I can at least like say, this is my like attempt and I can find an organization that supports the mental health of healthcare workers. And I was like, that's got to be easy. Like this is, you know, the hot topic right now. So I did my Google searches. Um, and, you know, I, I reached out to a lot of people at Penn, at the nursing school, at, um, at work. And then like I had friends who are nurses kind of like reach out to their connects to just to see if like anybody had any idea for an organization or a foundation that supports the mental health of healthcare workers. And there was like nothing. I got like crickets, um, which frustrated me and motivated me even more to be like, okay, this is really important. Um, because there really isn't anything out there. Um, and so that then I was like, oh my god, I should start my own foundation. I'm like, wait, I have. No you needed more on your plate. I agree. Exactly. I'm like, you, I have, you have such a light schedule. Next year, um, and so then fortunately, um, I got a response like pretty much right away from the American Nurses uh, Foundation, which is connected with the American Nurses Association, which is kind of like um, very big association in the nursing world. And, um, they have a specific well-being initiative that was kind of exactly what I was looking to support. It's like free therapy, free counseling, free, um, counseling, financial resources, like apps that support mental health and well-being, just like everything I was envisioning, um, minus the fact that it's just for nurses. Cause I do think like all healthcare workers are suffering right now. Um, so if I could change something about it, it would be that it would encapsulate everybody instead of just nurses, but that's fine. <laughs> I'll take it. And so, um, yeah, so I, the ball just like got rolling with them immediately. Um, and I was so excited to be able to kind of support them. Um, I thought maybe this could get big. I didn't think it would get this big and I'm 
now I'm just like, how big can we make this? How many people can we reach? Um, so it's, it's really exciting. Um, and I hope that it's like raising a lot of good awareness for that kind of issue at hand here. Well, then let, let's raise the awareness. Let's raise the yeah. funds. All right, let's do it. So um, if someone is interested in learning more about the specifics of the foundation, what they're giving to, and how they can support that work, where should they go? Um, I have a link on my Instagram page. Um, I'm at Sam Recker, L-O-E-C-K-E-R. Um, and then, I mean... And Runner's we'll put World. that link in the show notes as well, just so everyone's Thank listening. Thank you. Um and Runner's World just shared an article that has a link to um, my page. I have like a specific fundraising page and all of the money is going right to the well-being initiative. Um, so that's super exciting. Um, I'm also partnering with Moxie Scrubs, which is a scrub company. They're a startup scrub company out of Boston. So it's, it's like perfect. It's kind of serendipitous. Um, they are very like nurse centered and, um, They've been amazing to work with and super, super supportive. So I think on their website as well, you can find them. But yeah. All right. So everyone go to the show notes, take a look at that, support if you can. Every little bit helps. That was the fundraising part of me because coming out. Remember, you can do this. You can make change. Be the change you want to see in the world, listeners. Um, Now, you mentioned you have such a good core group of running friends in Philly who also have jobs. Are any of them going to be running Boston as well? Um, none of my immediate friends are running Boston. Um, there is another girl in Philly that I run with occasionally. She's, she's in the elite field. Um, she's also a nurse. She's an emergency room nurse. So that's cool. Um, what's her name? Her name's Kayla Lamb. Um, and then, um, I mean, it's kind of cool. Like a lot of the people that I, I run with in Philly are like one of my close friends is a physician. Um, we joke that like, if, unless you're in, and if you're running in Philly, you have to be like in the medical field. Um, there's so many of us. So one of my close friends is an oncology physician. Um, another one is an orthopedic surgeon. Uh, she actually got 50th at the trials. Her name's Megan Bishop. She was like one of my first running friends in Philly. And then one of um, my, my close friend who I was her maid of honor, she's in insurance. So she's like not directly in medicine, but we're like, Oh, well you're close enough. <laughs> like you got as close as you possibly could. <laughs> um, but yeah, so a lot of us are in medicine. It's pretty cool. So are you starting with in the, the elite corral? Um, I actually haven't gotten my bib assigned to me yet. So we, gotta sort so that we don't know. Oh, look at this. <laughs> um, but, uh, I am hoping to start in wave one. Um, I actually have a charity bib. I've, I'm working with the 26.2 foundation. I was going to ask you about that, whether or not you would technically qualified if you were a charity runner. So I have a charity bib, um, but the charity bibs start like in the later waves and I'm hoping to be moved up to wave one. Um, I do not want to start in the but Sam, think about another record you could break. You could be the best runner in the history of Wave Four. <laughs> that that could be interesting, but maybe next year. <laughs> um, um, yeah. So actually, the only ever times I've ever run Boston, I've started in Wave One. They were great experiences. Um, I I don't want to start in the elite field because this is um, I'm like taking off my elite runner hat for this one. Um, I don't. I honestly like don't feel right starting in the elite field with this um, kind of endeavor. Um, I know I'm not like showing up my best and my fittest with like a goal of running with the elite women. So I think that like kind of does a disservice to the the other half of me. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm hoping for like a wave one start. <laughs> so you mentioned that you're not. This isn't like the fittest you've ever shown up to a marathon, as you just mentioned. With that said, is the plan to you know? It's race day, we race, or is it like, this is just kind of like a bridge to another, another destination? (laughs) No, I, I definitely, um, I want to get my most out of myself, but, um, it's, I have been strapped for time (laughs) recently. Um, I've also kind of been on and off injured since like last year. So this is a good opportunity to see the sport from another side, um, I've, I've still been putting in miles. Um, I think I hit like one one last week. So for a normal, it's, I mean, I'm still crazy, but, um, 
No, I'm definitely, I haven't really been doing many workouts. Um, a lot of that is time constraints, but a lot of that is like my general health. I've had, um, like a few injuries and just like general health problems. So it's, it's not been my best buildup by any means, but, um, I definitely will get every ounce of myself that day that I possibly can and hopefully represent nursing profession well. I can't wait to watch. You are amazing, <laughs> Sam Rucker. This is absolutely fantastic. You've done the performance you've had in your life, what you're doing uh, in your professional life as well, how driven you are, and just you're just such a beacon of light. This has been fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. And um, thank you in advance to anybody that visits my page. And thank you to anyone who's listening that has already, I know I have so many runners and nurses that have already visited and supported this cause. And um, it's truly like, it's, it's, I mean, clearly I'm at a loss for words right now. It's, it's um, unreal. I, I really did not expect it to get this big. I knew, like, you know, runners are amazing people. And as soon as the runner's world article hit the page, like exponentially grew. So I love it. Um, and we should, and we should say, you know, people might hear this. People will absolutely, some people end up hearing this after Boston 2022. Right. So really? you know, we get downloads in the show that don't all happen in the first 24 hours. It's uh, after we, after we press publish. So if someone does hear this, Boston has happened. This could be three years in the future. I would say this foundation is still going to be there and they're still going to be doing yeah. great work. Still go to that page. Maybe the Sam Recker fundraising page might not be operational at that point, but this foundation will still be there. You should go to their page and check this out because this work literally never stops. Yeah. And nurses, um, I mean, I just read an article that that's predicted to be like upwards of 80% of nurses are going to leave by 2025. So that three-year mark is, is very telling. So um, support your healthcare workers, even if it's three years from now. <laughs> we love it. Sam, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Sam, thank you so much for coming on the show. I told you in the intro, Sam Recker, unbelievable. What a what an unbelievable guest. She's doing such incredible work. So much fun to talk to her. And how could you not root for someone like that? Truly amazing. Go check out her fundraising page. Again, link is in the show notes. And if you go follow her on Instagram, which you definitely should, you will also find the link in her bio there. And it is also in the Runner's World piece, which just came out a couple of days ago. I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well, because it was really well done. So thank you so much for listening and happy running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of In Post Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Yeah. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of storm brewing amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry I got.